This episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where out of print is available again, and listeners like you. Thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and for becoming patrons at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Welcome to the D&D News, Reviews, and Interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 300, we are celebrating our third century as a podcast, making our love of D&D and going way beyond. Because that's how, that's how podcasts work, right? 300 episodes is three centuries of podcasting, right? <laughs> exactly. Podcasts put out one episode per year, that's, that's the norm. As I understand it. It certainly feels that way sometimes. (laughs) And in case you uh, didn't recognize that voice, uh, joining Tracy and I are such illustrious guests as the monstrous ecologist, Jeremiah McCoy. Welcome back, sir. Greetings. I oftentimes, uh, when I'm scripting episodes, um, I will copy and paste the previous episode and then just change all the pertinent bits, right? Uh, I didn't even have to change that part because you were on the last episode we recorded. You were on 299 and 300. You made it to our 300th birthday. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, and also joining us from the desert sands of the Southwest U.S., uh, your favorite and mine, Allison Rossi. Welcome back. Hi there. Thank you for having me back. N- newly in the desert sands, right? Well, actually, I didn't end up moving to Phoenix. Oh. I'm still in Los Angeles. I'm still, still in Los Angeles. So. You made a liar. Just closer out of me. to the city now. Okay. I know. I know. It's okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, and lastly, but not leastly, is the Tome Show social media manager Ishmael Alvarez. Welcome back, sir. Howdy. In this episode, we'll be reviewing D and D Beyond. This is a suite of D&D digital tools announced some time ago. We wanted to give it time to mature, and now that it's been around for a while, we figured it's time for us to let you know what our take is on the project. It's worth noting that while it has matured, it's not feature complete based on what the team has said about where they would like to go with it. Speaking of mature gaming offerings, uh, if you wanted to go so mature that you were looking at D&D legacies, you should be shopping with our sponsor, Noble Knight. They carry all the new products, but specialize in the old stuff that's been long out of print. It doesn't get any much more legacy D&D than Greyhawk, so my pick for this episode is the book Greyhawk Adventures, originally published 30 years ago, because that's a phrase that makes me feel old, written by the legendary D&D writer James Ward. This classic collection of adventures set in one of the original D&D settings is long out of print and available uh, through Noble Knights to add to your collection today and in very good condition. Uh, currently at $75. Check it out and other things at Noble Knight and let them know that the Tome Show sent you. Remember when a Sarak built a tomb in Greyhawk? Noble Knight does. Remember when we stood against the giants? Noble Knight does. Remember Thaco? Noble Knight does. Remember when the legendary Dragonlance was recovered to win the war? Noble Knight does. Remember Spelljammer? Mistara? Dark Sun? Planescape? Noble Knight does. Remember Chainmail? 
First edition, AD&D 3.5 4E, Noble Knight does. Remember all the stories you haven't told yet? All the games you haven't played? Noble Knight, a game store with all the best games from today and tomorrow and back through the ages of gaming history. Head over to thetomeshow.com to find a link to Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And be sure to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. All right. It's time to talk about D&D Beyond. Uh, first, I want to start with full disclosure. Uh, I believe we have two people on our panel tonight that are our subscribers and paying for D&D Beyond all the way through. And we have three people who received uh, review access to D&D Beyond. Is that correct? Correct. So, so Allison got um, review access. I got review access. And I believe, Tracy, you got review access too? Yes. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremiah and Ishmael, you are both regular D&D Beyond subscribers and have been for some time. I actually do not subscribe, but I have made purchases. To oh, you've, so you own books, but not, but not a subscriber. Okay. That, that's interesting because we'll have to talk about what that means. And I actually am a subscriber. Um, and yeah, we'll probably need to go over what the, yeah. what subscriptions give you and what, uh, as opposed to books give you. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that, that's, uh, a fair and important thing for us to talk about. Uh, first though, let's talk about what exactly is D and D beyond. We mentioned it in before as sort of this suite of digital tools. Um, what does that mean right now? Cause it's, it's gone through some phases, but what does it mean, you know, at this moment in whatever month this is of 2018? March, March, well, yes. <laughs> I guess uh, I can describe that. Um, so the way I see D&D Beyond is it, it takes all of the content of the books that are currently out for 5th edition and kind of uh, crams them into one site. Everything is at, you know, at your fingertips there. And uh, it also allows for you to kind of create your own custom content for, for your homebrew game or for, you know, your existing game, whatever module you're running. So it allows, like, uh, character creation or maybe you want to uh, reflavor or make your own spells or your own monsters. So it allows a little bit of everything there. Mm. Um, and it has its own marketplace where you can, if you don't want to purchase everything, um, you can buy certain snippets uh, different books so if you want to buy certain monsters or certain magic items it allows that as well and it also has a forum so has a little bit of everything mm-hmm. yeah and in, in some ways it it feels like um the people who make D beyond which is twitch if people are familiar with with twitch i imagine um more and more people are these days right um twitch is the is company twitch is it twitch uh, you, uh, I it was yeah uh sure. you're right Sorry, it uses the Twitch login. Um, that's why yes. I was thinking that. But it's it's uh, what's the name of the company? Curse, I believe. Curse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cur- yes, curse, curse. Curse has been used to manage uh, add-ons and community stuff for other games, right? And they were bought by Twitch, if I understand okay. correctly. So I guess so, technically they uh, are done by Twitch. So okay. All right. yeah, yeah. So like, Curse used to be like. Uh, you know, a way you could do voice communications in games like League of Legends. And then Curse kind of became its own little thing. People ignored when Discord came out. And then Curse became a thing with Twitch because Twitch is now owned by Amazon. And it's all sorts of like following <laughs> that chain of who bought oh. who and <laughs> who things technically belong to now. 
So it's Cursed, which is owned by Twitch, which is, you say, owned by Amazon as well? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Amazon <laughs> bought Twitch, like, within the last year. Interesting. Okay. In fact, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can get some stuff on Twitch because you have that. It's There's a whole synergy thing from top to bottom. Okay. Interesting. So, in any case, uh, convoluted <laughs> story of who owns the, 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 the site or not. Um, it, it sort of feels to me like the purpose behind D&D Beyond was let's take all the uh, – in some degree, like let's take the stuff that existed for like the fourth edition D&D Insider um, and then do the, all of that – bring all of that stuff into fifth edition and give you some extra like customization and kind of have a solution to being able to have you know not PDFs but electronic copies of books. So it's sort of trying to mash up all of those things. You know, the D&D forums are gone from the official website. The the digital tools are gone from the official website. And so this feels like it's trying to do those things. Is that is that seem accurate? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, it's the yeah. new home of, of the digital content kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I, would cert- I, I would certainly um, – I, w- I would actually almost like um, – uh, because it's it's subcontracted to this other company, right. to a certain extent, I feel like it's more like uh, a, a competitor to things that were already being made. Like Hero Lab, I had some SRD versions of the character creator. Uh, you know, Roll Twenty has a uh, has books available through it. So does uh, a couple of the other uh, tabletop simulators. This just feels like another competitor that had a that got a better deal yeah no and i think i think it's worth noting like you talk about it being a subcontractor but my understanding is that it's technically actually a licensee um much like those others much like roll 20 or whatever but they dnd beyond seems to have uh, a pretty good deal now they're not a virtual tabletop um so if you want to do that kind of stuff you're still looking at probably roll 20 or fantasy grounds um but they have a lot of other things going on, uh, and, and you're not wrong that in many ways it becomes a competitor to some of those other things um, that got not just a decent deal, but um, I think the best part of their deal is access. Um, you know, they, they, like, from day one launch, started getting lots of support and, and constant um, you know, mentions or whatever from from official wizards. They're still releasing regular videos on their YouTube channel and through their website of of regular pieces they're doing with the designers at Wizard of the Coast that that the others don't seem to be getting that kind of access to. Um, you know, so yes, um, my understanding is they're a licensee, but their work they seem to be looking feeling like more like a partnership than than a licensee. Does that make sense? Sure. Wizards has been using Twitch for a while, right, for broadcasting their live play games, so that mm-hmm. might make some degree of sense, too. Yeah, they have, although I'm, I don't think Wizards was broadcasting on Twitch until after D&D Beyond had been out for a little while. So, uh, so there's I, certainly a sense. I thought it was there. the other way. Was yeah, it? It's the other, yeah, it was the other way around. Okay. Uh, admittedly, they're, uh, they ramped up around about the same time D&D Beyond uh, hit, but they were doing it before that. Okay. So so it, it all sort of, the synergy maybe hit, hit it uh, around the same time there. So, okay. 
So anyway, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what the relationship is between D&D Beyond and Wizards of the Coast, but um, it seems to be uh, more hand in glove than some of their other some of their the licensees that are doing other D&D things. That that definitely would seem to be the case, and uh, I don't know how much people pay attention to the Twitch broadcasts, but there's this really great one that the people can watch, which is called the Mike Merrill's Happy Hour, mm-hmm. and he'll sit there and do uh, design. He'll kind of go over like, oh, well, this time I'm going to do this uh, sub uh, or archetype for this class, and he'll very often be beyond while he's doing it mm. just to like cross-reference and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it just it definitely seems like there's a really close partnership going on there. Well, yeah. and and to my knowledge, and I'm certainly not super knowledgeable on on some of these other um, licensees, but to my knowledge, none of them quite have the full compendium access, uh, you know, or not not access, but availability. That that this is true, uh, sort of. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so roll twenty. If you uh, you get access to the the SRD compendium mm-hmm. for free, uh, and if you buy a book through them, like the Monster Manual or, mm-hmm. or Volo's Guide, you get access to all of the official compendium in- entries for the book that you bought. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's very similar compendium. Well, uh, and, what and they don't have. What okay? Go ahead. What they don't have is. Yeah, what they don't have is the character creator and uh, some of the, uh, the the options to creating content mm-hmm. in an organized fashion, mm-hmm. I guess. They also don't have access to Earth Arcana articles, which apparently is a big feature of D&D Beyond right now, Yeah, uh, where you can just take this kind of playtest material and apply it to your character to then further playtest. Mm-hmm. Which which can goes along with the idea of the the hand and glove um, mm-hmm. partnership that seems to be going on. That said, D and D Beyond seems to be. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Seems to be a, a less affordable option than Roll Twenty. Now I know Fantasy Grounds is is relatively expensive as well, but given that D and D Beyond kind of wants you to not just buy books, but then also they they like to talk about the subscription option options as well. Um, there's a lot of money that could be spent on D and D Beyond. It's it's really um, that yeah, like I think you can spend more money on D and D Beyond for sure. I, I I know that people have done uh, price comparisons. I think there's videos out there that'll say like you know if you want to do Fantasy Grounds, if you want to do Roll Twenty, if you want to do D and D Beyond, mm-hmm. and I think. All of it depends on just how much buy-in you want to do. I know there's a lot of uh, maybe controversy about why, if you've already spent the money on the physical books, why you don't already either get a discount or just free access to the same information. And, I mean, um, that's another topic altogether. Sure. But, uh, um, but when into the nitty-gritty of like what you can buy, what you can subscribe to, um, I haven't really crunched the numbers uh, myself, but everything... I've heard is that D&D Beyond could potentially be more expensive. Yeah, so the the way D&D Beyond works, uh, the, the, so there's three tiers for, for for subscriptions. There's the the free basic tier, um, which gives you access to being able to make up to six characters. You can use a couple of mobile devices. Um, you can't 
publicize or, or make public your homebrew content and you can't share the the, the books and things that you've bought um the hero tier which costs uh what is it 26 dollars a year or three dollars a month um gives you more mobile access unlimited mobile access and an unlimited number of characters um but otherwise is largely similar um, and then the master tier, which is $55 a year or $6 a month, um, gives you all of those things. Plus, uh, you can have three up to three campaigns with up to 12 players in each campaign and share the, the books and things that you've purchased with the players in your, in your campaign. So in theory, it could, you, could, you could set it up so that so, you know, only one of us had to buy uh, Xanathar's Guide and then we could share it digitally that way and everybody could use it. So, yeah. so I, which is not I I mean, actually, 60, $55 for that a year. I mean, it's not horribly expensive and I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm actually on the master um, subscription um, right now. Uh, I have that. Um, and it gets billed semi-annually for me, so I'm getting twenty nine ninety nine every six months. Okay. Um, so about the cost of what one of the books costs mm-hmm. in the marketplace. Uh, and I can share uh, uh, book content with other people in a campaign that I'm running. I can also take the stuff from books I've already bought and share the character made with those things to somebody else's campaign. Hmm. And and have you have you used that? I I have uh, shared to other people's campaigns. I have yet to find anybody I am running a game uh, with that is also a subscriber to D and D Beyond. So I don't really have the option to mm. share the contact with them. If I did, I mean I would, but um, uh, so far. A lot of people have resisted, I think, because of the the costs involved. And by that point, by the point D and D Beyond came out, they had already invested right. in Roll Twenty or uh, Fantasy. Well, and that's the that's or or they've been buying physical books and they don't want to buy the books two or three times. Sure. To get them in all those other places, and that's where the marketplace comes in. Is the marketplace is where you can buy the individual books, you know, and they, I mean, do they run what similar in price about the same thing in prices as, as the physical books? A little bit no, less, maybe? Cheaper. much cheaper. cheaper. They, they have an odd price point where, and it's, it's cheaper. It is. Uh, so you pay $30 per core book, which would be player's handbook, dungeon master guide, mm-hmm. monster manual, $30 per, um, campaign, uh, book or, or adventure book, like, you know, uh, curse of Strahd or what have you. Although the first two books, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Horde of the the Tyranny Dragon of Dragons. Yeah. yeah, those two are a little bit less expensive. Which, I, I, I mean, it makes sense because it's the it's they one. Were, they were smaller. Books, yeah, it's yeah. one story and it's two books, so it makes sense. And, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to clarify. It's not thirty dollars for adventures. It's twenty four ninety nine. Oh, then I got that wrong. It's yeah. then it's thirty dollars for the. Um, player option books like right. uh, Sword Coast Adventure Guide, Bolo's Guide to Monsters, and Xenathar's Guide to Everything. And the upcoming, uh, and the upcoming books, Morning Kanan's Tome of Foes is currently available for yeah. a $30 pre-order. Correct. Yeah. 
So, so I mean, it's it's not a horrible um, price point, but it adds up. I mean, you can currently buy everything. They have a legendary bundle where you can buy everything for $360, and that's not... I mean, that's not a horrible deal for all the content you're getting, but $360 is a lot to drop all at once. Um, and, and if you're just getting into point, it... Yeah, go ahead. As a point of clarification, um, spending the $360, like buying everything at once, does come with a built-in 15% discount if right. for what it's worth. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems like a good deal. $360 for, what, does it say, 23 different products? Um, that's That's not a bad price point, but it's a lot to... It's a lot of money to drop, you know. <laughs> so I think uh, if you consider the fact that it's all it's all digital content, I think that might put a lot of people off because, mm-hmm. I mean, part of the reason you tend to buy digital content over physical books is is that it's generally cheaper. Um, so those of us who have already bought basically every single book mm. uh, from the beginning, it's kind of. You know, if you see these bundles, it's uh, it hurts the wallet a little bit still. I mean, as a dungeon master, you tend to spend a lot on miniatures or whatever it may be and snacks and beer for each session. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's still, uh, I-, I think the price point's a little bit high, in my opinion. Now, also, uh, oh, go ahead, Tracy. I was just going to say that with how often Watsi has changed their strategy when it comes to digital and everything else too right. given that there's no offline these things i would be afraid of like losing it right if it was if it was a a if i was getting the books as a pdf then i would feel okay about that because i i can keep that pdf and back it up and have it forever but given that it's so proprietary proprietary and built in and you can only use it through this service and watsi has a long history of scrapping digital services or completely re- reimagining them halfway through an edition or whatever like yeah no i get that nervousness tracy so yeah. i do have two things to say about that uh just to clear clear up the fact that uh, they do have technically an offline option which is in beta right now mm-hmm. uh but you can use an app that they just released and will be fully um functional i think within the next few months they're saying uh but it is it allows you to download to the app that you've purchased and you can then use those books offline uh and i'm but, using that app right well, it's now not technically it, offline though because you still have to use either your data plan or, or, or be on wi-fi to, to use that kind of content the whole point was that you don't have to worry about being in service to use it or you don't have to worry about relying on a tiny phone screen and I think that's kind of the issue that that I would run into. It's like mm-hmm. I don't want to sit there and use my phone for an entire session if I don't have a, a laptop yeah. and access to internet. And the other <laughs> thing is, if they re- if they remove the application from the store eventually, like any device that had it would be able to keep it. But it's not necessarily true that you put it in the future. Right. That's that's true. I mean, you can. I mean, what what I do is I put it on a tablet, and so the tablet's a little bit bigger than a phone, and you can use it without. Like you can once you download it, you can use it without the the wireless. Um, although, yeah, you're right. If they ever remove the right. app itself, that's, it that's my be... bigger issue. Is that you know this is all going great now, but what happens when when the partnership between Watsi and and D and D Beyond or Cursed goes away, right? Because that's what happened with the last digital tool and 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 digital book option that they were pitching for fifth edition is things were going really gangbusters and they were about to launch full featured. And then all of a sudden, just before they launched it, um, the whole thing fell apart and, and, and it all went away. I am a curmudgeon by nature. 
Um, and, yeah, I'm uh, aware. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if I wasn't in a position of being somebody who has to comment and do commentary on gaming products, I probably would not have bought into this. Mm. Um, I, I will say, uh, just as an extra note, that legendary bundle where you get everything, if you buy individual things, they reduce the cost of the legendary bundle. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, I've got a few books. It's 250 for me. Oh, okay. Where, because I've already bought a few books. Um, so, just something to keep in mind. But Which is interesting uh, that, that, for mine, it's listing it at 360 even though, as part of the review set that we got, they gave us, like, almost everything that's been released as unlocked content now, so... Yeah, but you didn't buy it. But I didn't buy it, I suppose. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I just, so, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, the the pricing model are great. I, I, it's not, I am not a big fan of the pricing model. I have bought books through Roll20. I have bought the physical books. And, yeah, I would have preferred that they did PDFs. Um, I mean, yeah. it's every other game company out there does PDFs. Mm-hmm. This is the only one that does this. Mm-hmm. Well, not the only one. Um, I know Fantasy Flight Games has been famously not released PDFs for their uh, Star Wars game. Mm. And I know that has a lot to do with licensing. But, right. I mean, to be fair, they're not. Yeah. But yeah, and, and but Wizards has been really shy of the PDF thing ever since, uh, the what was it, the, towards the early days of 4th edition when there was the whole pirating hoopla and, and they pulled everything all of a sudden yeah yeah and they keep they uh, keep and, going for these these proprietary like let's find a digital reading option that isn't a pdf and we'll still let people get their digital books and they can we can have our security and they can have their digital books and everybody wins and that's great except for that point that tracy brought up in that these licenses with watsi have a history of just constantly falling apart and then you lose everything that you paid for sure um, yeah, I but, remember like a year or two ago doing a, uh, a podcast with James and talking mm-hmm. about like the whole trapdoor technologies. There's D and D app coming out, and then yeah. that kind of failed. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers that this doesn't because I think it looks great so far. But you know, you you never know. Like having a an actual physical, well, I guess not physical, digital PDF would be so much more ideal than having the actual website or an app. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, for what you're getting, I mean, can I make an argument for yeah. the finances of it? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, like, I have the subscription. I can share all my content. If I want to run a, a campaign with some friends and I don't want them to have to buy everything, I have already bought all the relevant books. I share it to them. They don't have to pay that money. They still get access win-win for everybody i mean the cynical part of me says it would make a lot of sense to make a campaign of me and my friends who may not actually be in a campaign together and we all chip in together and and now we're all only spending two or three bucks and we're and we're all getting you know each of the books which isn't a bad deal because we you know we're sharing it that way um and if if I could, uh, I, I think the second part of what I was going to say a, a little while ago, which I probably should have just chopped it up anyways, is um, I I bought two of the three core books. I bought the Monster Manual and the Player's Handbook mm-hmm. when 
the the when D and D Beyond basically launched their their marketplace, and they had a ten percent or or they they had some kind of a deal going on. Sorry, a ten dollar off of each of them, oh, okay. and so I bought those on discount. And then there was another um, sale where I got a similar deal on the the third book, the Dungeons Master's Guide. And then at some point there was another sale where I bought out of the Abyss because I'm running that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are books that I quote unquote need I want all of them just because I'm just a completionist that way but I haven't spent that much and what I'm starting to see is that they um, seem to be running a similar model to you know other digital platforms like Steam sometimes you just have to be uh, patient and vigilant and then you'll just wait for a sale in fact if I remember correctly there is a 25% off right now and I can't, can't remember what that is uh, they announced it on one of their um, Twitch streams, mm. um, but just things like that aren't ter- terrible. Uh, just waiting for for sales and just kind of jumping on them and getting a book here or there um, satisfied my needs for what I need to do. That's good. Uh, though, are, are you running out of the abyss, out of the D and D Beyond, then, or are you going back and forth between the book and the digital off- options? In effect, I am running it out of D and D Beyond, and I'm doing Roll Twenty, but I'm pulling things from the digital uh, part because I'm doing it at my computer. I'm mm. doing it online, and I can we can talk about that as we go into the functionality. But just on the the finance side of it, I've not really spent very much money, and I don't feel like I've been cheated. Just especially as I'm taking advantage of the uh, of the sales and what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it it seems like the kind of thing that I. That I probably um, should be investing in. Um, you know, I paid for D and D Insider, and and that worked well for me. And I loved, you know, the 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 killer feature for me was probably the simplest thing out of the D and D Insider. And I'm finding as I play more and more with D and D Beyond over the last uh, month or two, as we've been been getting ready for this review, um, I'm finding that the killer feature for me, as somebody who primarily DMs, and so the character builder has limited usefulness. Um, although I've used it a few times for new new characters and people seem to enjoy it. Uh, the killer feature for me seems to be, uh, just like in, in Insider, the, um, the, is the is the compendium, right? I, I, had the, I usually run out of my laptop and I, I'm running a, a homebrew-ish game mashup of, of several campaigns and whatever. If people listen to Behind the DM Screen, they've heard about it. Um, and, and, like, I can't tell you how often like the first time I, I i i'm like oh let me look up this rule oh hold on let me just type it into the compendium real quick uh and it popped up and i i was finding you know spells and and whatever faster than they were uh it worked mm-hmm. really the just being able to to search for anything spells magic items uh you know uh rules monsters whatever was really really useful um and it's something that, and that's something you can largely do by bu- purchasing the books that have access to those things that you want to look up. Um, the one thing that really uh, sticks in my craw as a as a DM is that I've come to rely very heavily on the Tome of Beast by Kobold Press in my game prep and, and looking at my monsters. And there's no third party access. Uh, there's no yeah. Kobold Ooh. Press books or whatever. And some, I imagine that that is on the list of, of features they would like to add, but it's not there. And and given that like. 60% of my monsters these days tend to come out of uh, the Tome of Beasts. Um, that's something I need for my for my workflow, you know? Yeah. Actually, uh, something that really stuck out to me, too, similarly, is the fact that like, I can create homebrew content here. I also could create content like uh, 
DMs Guild. At DMs Guild, I can get paid for the content I'm creating, mm. but here it's just I give it away, which may or may not be a problem. Well, you, can, uh, you can choose to publish your homebrew stuff if you really don't have to make it public. So that's no, no, yeah, I and like I, yeah, yeah, and I get that part. But the thing is, is like, you know, it would be nice if you, you could. I mean, if they're gonna have this marketplace anyway. Uh, oh, and you if, mean like monetizing it? I see. Yeah, like particularly. Have DMs Guild stuff, and that kind of goes into third-party stuff uh, as well. Mm. Like you could enter it in yourself if there was a marketplace for it, uh, and then people could import it and use it in, and you could use that system for it. But anybody has anybody used any of the homebrew content that other people have created? Because I, as search as I might, I can't find anything that's actually created, and it's not easy to to go through things and figure it out. Honestly, like after um, getting into D and D and learning about what was it the the D and D wiki or whatever it is the really mm-hmm. awful homebrew website where everything is overpowered after that experience like I I don't touch <laughs> other people's homebrew like I don't even bother looking at it for the most part unless it's on the DMs guild with you know with someone that's a trusted author that I already know of or like someone ha- has good reviews because some people create the most op insane things and I'm just like I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Going through all that, ugh. but my my, uh. my my and that's true and absolutely and I want to I kind of wanted to check out what kind of insanity was there and what I'm finding is like when I go into the homebrew collection and I'm searching for things, I literally can't find anything. If I filter just by this type or that type of of thing, it gives me nothing. Am I looking in the wrong place? No, um, you. Oh, oh, you just aren't seeing anything whatsoever. Literally, nothing comes up. <laughs> Years. No, there's so, stuff there. There's stuff yeah, there. Yeah. In anytime I go to like the characters tab and I drop down and look at races, it gives me three options: official, homebrew, or create. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. On uh, uh, backgrounds, same thing. Feats, the same thing. Classes, they don't have any homebrew classes yet. Uh, although they do have uh, critical role blood hunter in there but uh, i do uh, i do see where you can get some of that yeah i i'm, I'm yeah. seeing i'm seeing it in some places now um yeah. i just i just didn't know where to look and that's i guess that's worth mentioning as well sometimes you gotta figure yeah. out where to look and to find it's things. uh there are 25 pages of homebrew races okay uh, probably two of them are awful <laughs> and yeah, not I, worth even looking at. Oh, there, I mean, there are uh, 140 pages of homebrew spells. Right. Ooh. I I will not make it my job to rain on somebody else's parade. No. If people uh, want to make their own stuff and that works for them and they're having fun, more power to them, right? That, but yeah, like you said, it does... It's it's buyer beware. Even if you are getting it for free, it's still buyer beware. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. and I think it's worth noting, like if since it's not monetized, I imagine the way that the homebrew stuff is being used is somebody in my in my game wants to throw something together. We homebrew it together, and then I'm like, yeah, if other people want to take a look, here it is, whatever. But it's not meant for everybody. It's not meant to be usable in all, all campaigns. This is something for my campaign, and if other people want to take a look, fine. Um, I, yeah. It, go ahead. I I, um, I have messed with the Humber races. I've made some uh, Humber races based off of uh, my friend Brandis Stoddard's mm-hmm. home game. Who's been on the show? Uh, he, yeah, he's uh, a, he's actually a uh, really good creator. He's gotten a lot mm-hmm. of 
published in, in the actual world that you can go find. But his homebrew stuff hasn't been published anywhere. So I didn't share it out because mm-hmm. I didn't want to, uh, you know, make that decision for him. But I wanted to see how the homebrew race thing worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting process. Uh, but it's also really easy to mess up putting the math in correctly and putting entries in correctly. So even even people who might have a really good homebrew race that they've written up themselves might have entered it in wrong. Hmm. So there, there's that. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like it's more of a utility. Uh, it's just kind of a case-by-case basis. Let's say you want it to be an elf but you wanted to make a minor tweak and you know you go to your game master or what have you uh i guess dungeon master and say oh i want to be an elf but instead of having proficiency in long swords proficiency in uh rapier or something like that mm-hmm. and so you might be able to like construct that that uh um custom race and although it seems like such a minor change if you don't make that change as a custom race it won't have the functionality when you create a character through the uh the compendium right that makes sense um now they have recently launched and since we talked earlier about the the digital copies of books they have recently launched uh what is what are they calling it an alpha or a beta of uh, a mobile app that allows you at Mm -hmm. this point the only thing it allows you to do is access the books that you've purchased um for reading purposes and they talk about how they want to you know increase its functionality but they want to start simple and, and build up so yeah, have, have, have any of you used the uh, the mobile version? Yes, I, yeah. I have, and I love it. It's great. Um, it's I'm waiting for them to increase the functionality and add things like the character generator mm-hmm. and so on, and uh, navigation is not real. I think that's still going to be tweaked, but um, it's got all the content and, and all of the art, like, Every I have no complaints about it, other than that maybe navigation could be a little bit bit easier. Okay. Um, but no, it's it's great. I don't need to have uh, reception or or wireless uh, to to access all of my books. Uh, and then kind of like a weird little uh, a weird little um, difference with it is that it's all done through Google Play or iTunes. So if you have a Google Play or iTunes card and you don't know what to do with it you could buy a D book with it so if i buy a D book with it through itunes it'll i have access uh-huh. to it on the website as well correct they did oh. make that clarification hmm. interesting I, I didn't know that aspect I hadn't, I hadn't tried that good to know um, so allison but... you said you've also been using the mobile app Yes. So I kind of tested it out because I wanted to see how it worked if I needed it, you know, as a, a quick reference um, for when I'm running Tomb of Annihilation mm-hmm. players. Um, and I, so I, I have an Android, I have a Pixel, and uh, I had some issues with the app. I know they're trying to stress test it, but I had some issues where sometimes um, when I was trying to open uh, one of the books, specifically the Adventure Tomb of Annihilation, it would just crash the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it would be when I was trying to open the book or other times it would be like when I was trying to scroll through it, it would just randomly close. Um, which, is, which is real obnoxious so, in the middle of a campaign and you're trying to look something up. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, it, it can be a little bit inconvenient sometimes. Obviously it's something that they're still working on. Right. Um, I like the idea of it so far. I 
that, you know, once it gets more fleshed out and it can perhaps, I guess, handle the books a little better, at least on Android, um, it'll be very useful yeah. just because it's it's nice to be able to reference things on the go. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I don't want to have a laptop and, and use the D&D Beyond website, but I want to have quick reference. Um, you know, maybe I need to look up a certain monster in, in Volo's guide or whatever that I want to use on the fly. So it'll, it, it could definitely be very nice for those instances. Um, Obviously not great for people who don't have a lot of storage space on their phones, but you know. Jer <laughs> Jeremiah, you said you said you've been using it too. Yeah, uh, the I play in a game on Saturdays with actually a lot of people who are new to D and D, or uh, some are former Pathfinder players, and others mm -hmm. just have never played. And so uh, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, obsessions, me being the guy going, yeah, actually, I don't think the rule works that way. Um, and, the, you know, not in a sort of, you're doing it wrong, but more right. of a, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the game master goes, does this work this way? No, actually, yeah, I don't think I've had the same thing, actually. It's very helpful for that, where it's like, oh, I don't actually remember the specifics of this rule because I haven't right. used it in, I don't know, months. Uh, so let's yeah. look it up. So, you know, it, it's definitely nice yeah. for that, too. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, the possibly the the most useful thing from the site in general and for the app uh, in particular is being able to just you know do a quick search and it oh, indexes for me yeah um, because you know I I, I I write content myself I put it up on the blog I've actually gotten stuff published and such. And when I'm like, what is the thing that's like this? And I do a search for just a, a couple of keywords, I can find it. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a reference to work from. And it's so much easier than me going, all right, all right let me grab like all five of the books that I might be referencing while I'm writing this mm -hmm. off the shelf. I just have the one thing and I just do the search. And I can do that on the phone and I can do that on, uh, on the website. And that's possibly the most useful bit, the whole thing for me so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I haven't been using it on the mobile app, and that is because of my one real issue that I've run into using D&D Beyond. Um, the login system is not friendly for me. Um, so here's what happened. When D&D Beyond first came out, I was signed up. Uh, you know, you could sign up for the, the beta early on before it was actually launched. So I had created a Twitch account in order to sign up to do that. Um and then I never did it. I literally never did anything with it. Um, and then later on, when I decided to check it out more earnestly, I once again, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I don't have a Twitch account. And I created a Twitch account because I've forgotten that I had done that before. So now on my mobile devices, it has the old one that doesn't have access to anything. And it, I can't figure out how to log out. Like you can log out of D&D Beyond and as soon as you do and click log oh, in again, shoot. it automatically logs you back in because you are still logged into Twitch. And I can't figure oh, out no. how to log out of Twitch. So it's still logged into this other account and I can't switch it over to the one I'm actually using. And I can't even use the mobile app because it automatically brings in my Twitch login that's, that's already logged in. And it's really obnoxious. <laughs> so I can only oh, use, I can only use it on my, like, on my uh... laptop. I, I could see the probably the the easiest way to do it is like to to clear the cache for the uh, the app itself. Yeah, no, uh, I that generally removed. Oh, I went. Through, you might have to. <laughs> I went got rid of any cookies associated with it. it was so, um, and this is this is a really good time to point out too. Like, I I think we are all having some weird idiosyncratic issues yeah. with the app because 
one thing I was going to add and, and uh, to detract from the fact that I was saying I was really happy with it, the search function is a little wonky. Uh, if I want to search for, let's say, the other day I actually searched for chain lightning, um, it a bunch of weird, uh, nonsensical results. It might be like spells B or spells Q or whatever. Uh, but and you know, on the first page, like visible, it's like spell C. I'm like, okay, I'll go to spell C. But regardless, anyways, I think we're all having all these weird issues, which we should most definitely report to um, the company because mm-hmm. it is a beta after all, and these are things that they and, need to and know. And my understanding do. is that they're pretty responsive to that stuff too. Yes, they they're very responsive. They they're really happy to try and clear up any any issues that have been going on, and and they've as I as I understand they've. Uh, um, hired on quite a few people to to be able to just tend to whatever issues they've got going on. Now, Tracy, uh, I just wanted to go back to um, I haven't used it yet, but uses for the mobile app, even with its wonkiness. Oh, you haven't used the mobile app, okay? <laughs> yeah, I haven't used it yet, but even with the wonkiness, um, groups that could be really useful. Um, like, I, it actually got me excited because mm-hmm. uh, I take a shuttle to work every day, so that's about forty minutes round trip. Uh, and it's kind of hard to use my laptop there, but I could probably be doing research for D&D. Uh, but then the other thing is uh, parents of very young children, particularly infants, who are often stuck holding an infant and use a phone. What, what do you know about that? I, you know, just throwing it out there. <laughs> no, I've been there. Uh, I, 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 I was did like, a lot if, of things on my phone. If only when... this had been a year, a year ago, right. I would have been all over I mean, oh, honest, honestly, me honestly, the mobile app is what I wanted when it launched, and I was kind of disappointed it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then now now it's coming along. And, and so far, and I hope this maintains to be true, they're continuously adding features and not increasing prices as a result, you know? And I think if they do that, they'll only make the service more valuable with time and make, make the value make more sense to people. Right now, I think the price tag is, is high enough that it, it turns some people away. It's not, you know, uh, the, the fourth edition uh, digital tools were, was a, a monthly subscription. Um, what was it, like $7 a month? $15 a month? $15 a month, if I remember. Yeah. Which, I mean, comparably, they're cheaper than that considerably, right? Yeah. Um, and but but you know the idea of the subscription and then having to buy the books on top of it, which still probably ends up being less than you were paying for the the fourth edition digital tools. Um, you know, uh, there's some value there. But when I see a price tag of of fifty five dollars, uh, you know, sure that's a year, but fifty five dollars feels like a lot more. Uh, and plus buying books on top of it for three hundred dollars or whatever it is, depending on on what how many books I want to buy. And I'm a completist, so it's all of them. Um, right. So, so that feels like a big price tag and it, it makes me hesitate, you know, am I going to have to explain this to my wife and am I going to get questions about it and that kind of stuff? So I, 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 I will say that they have, if they've done, do what they have promised mm-hmm. as far as future, uh, capabilities, if they do that without raising the price, then it will absolutely be worth yeah. the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going. They've said they're going to. They want to do a virtual tabletop. Uh, you know, they're the 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 they, they want to have a more of the previous uh, um, uh, uh, unearthed arcana articles in there. 
they have talked uh, putting in custom character classes, putting in, uh, and I suspect that this time next year we'll be talking about how they recently opened up a marketplace where people, third-party publishers mm, can put, yeah. uh, or, or more likely a version of the DMs Guild, where it's not third-party publishers per se, but people are published through Rises of the Coast uh, with, you know, sanctioned content, right. I guess. Um, I, I suspect a year from now we'll see that. Uh, and the, the 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 table and the Twitch integration that they've talked about, uh, you know, after after so many features get added, then yeah, it begins to sound more like a reasonable expense. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, the more I think about it, like I I hesitated on this thing for so long, and and that's probably why I went to them and said, hey, can I get some review copies for people so we can fill out a panel and really talk this thing through? Um, because I had hesitated so long on the price. But the idea of $6 a month compared to what I was paying in 4th edition, uh, you know, that's less than half that the price of what I was paying before. And sure, I have to buy the books um, on top of it, but then I can share it with my with my with all of my players and then they have access to it without having to pay for it. Or they can all chip in and we can all be paying for it together. Um, that feels really, you know, useful and, and that helps ameliorate some of the costs. Like it's... The price tag feels expensive, but when I break it down, it really isn't, is it? No, it, it's it's really downright affordable when you think about it. Um, down to it, and that, that was kind of going back to what I was saying earlier: is if you get the three core books, if you get uh, the adventure that you're going to run, like if you're really on that budget, which I am, I'm not buying all the books just quite yet because mm-hmm. I'm buying them physically. You get the three core books, you get the adventure you're going to run, and you're pretty well set. Like, you have everything you want. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing maybe that's a little bit irksome is that um, I feel the need to buy the character option books, like Xanathar's Guide or uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters and then the, to- the Tome of Foes that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Be- because that doesn't seem complete until you get those. Um, but, I mean, really, when if you're on a budget, you're probably spending about 100 bucks. And again, that's a lot, but it's not as bad as it could be. It's not, you know, um, you'd probably be spending a similar amount, maybe a little less if you were doing PDFs. And um, one of the things I had wanted to also point out that's really kind of important to the to the role playing community at large is that um, it's very important for conventions because mm-hmm. at any given convention you may not have Wi Fi. I know that's a big deal. Um, uh, because you want to be able to carry your collection around. You want to be able to come into a convention and maybe have a laptop or a tablet or whatever. I don't know if, how that's, that would work on a laptop. That's kind of irksome because they should have just done PDFs, but whatever. <laughs> sure. But if you have a tablet and you show up to a convention, you're not carrying around a giant crate of books. You've just got your laptop there with you, or I'm sorry, your tablet there with you, and you've got your whole collection in one spot. Mm-hmm. You could conceivably uh, run an Android emulator on your laptop and then get the app that way. <laughs> yeah, no. So I mean, there's and and there's a lot going on here, and, and I wasn't because I heard about the 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 app, the mobile app, right? And it made me curious, like, oh, I wish I could 
you know, use the the website as a reader too. And then I did a little digging around and realized, no, 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 you can. It's in the compendium. You go down to your adventures and you can find your individual bits there uh, and pull them up and or in the, the rule section and find the books that you want to read about and click on it and it opens up and reads it like a, a reader and you can go through it word by word. Uh, and speaking of reading, they've also recently, uh, just in the last few weeks, started publishing articles as well. Um, they've brought in yeah. some of my favorite uh, D&D writers. Former uh, Tome Show host James Intercasso uh, is publishing once a week there. Uh, current Tome Show host Mike Shea from Sly Flourish is, is publishing once a week there, as well as James Hake, uh, who we've talked to before as well, uh, and I consider to be a friend of the show, is publishing there. Um, you know, Plus the, the videos that they've been doing pretty much since launch, where they are getting a- great access to Wizards of the Coast and bringing us new information there. Um, you know, So they, they described themselves as trying to be, um, what is it, they said in the, in the official Watsi and Dragon Talk, the official Watsi podcast, they they described it as they're trying to be the Rolling Stone of D and D, you know, and, and whatever. And I'm like, great. Uh, I'm am a big fan of more content. And and hey, by the way, D and D Beyond folks, if you want an official podcast of D and D Beyond, you let me know. I know some people who can totally produce that and make it a thing. So, <laughs> I know a guy. I know. It's, I it's totally. I, I don't just know a guy. I know a team of people who work on podcasts. That's true. So there you um, go. Uh, so, so there's all kinds of, of great things c- coming along, uh, and you met, somebody mentioned that if they can if they can manage to keep the price where it is and to keep adding the things that they're talking about, a marketplace with other you know with with where it's monetizable, uh, or possible integration with the DMs Guild or um, you know the virtual tabletop or all that kind of stuff, they just keep adding value and adding value. Uh, any other future plans that we've heard of that they haven't launched yet, or does it, or did you cover all that before? Let's see. We talked about the tabletop. We talked about uh, the uh, other things that they've talked about adding, like the the homebrew uh, sub uh, subclasses, like the architect and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that may, may more or less cover it. I'm hoping that uh, after we're done with our discussion here in a few minutes, uh, we'll be able to put in an interview with uh, with somebody from D and D Beyond, and maybe they can let us know what they're thinking. So uh, for the future so as well. I- yeah, Trace. I hope that they're. I hope they're thinking of an encounter builder. Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed oh, as well. Oh, because yeah. the the DM, other than the compendium and looking stuff up, the DM options are are fairly weak. Now that compendium is awesome, but like, yeah. I, I, you go through the my content, you set up a campaign, and it's really just like three panes where you take some notes. Um, there's yeah. not really much mm-hmm. tools in terms of building your campaign, building out encounters, like all of that is stuff that needs right. to be there for DMs. And you're right, absolutely. Yeah, and also, like, as you search through stuff, where do you actually keep the information other than yeah. potentially using the URL somewhere in space? Yeah, and, right. and, and then I have a situation where, great, I, I have an encounter and I have these three monsters, but there's no way for me to just open those three monsters through the site. I, you know, I yep. have to have three instances of D&D Beyond in different tabs or whatever. I was going to bring that up, too. Like, when I was looking at it last night and I saw that there was no, you know, uh, encounter creator, I was like, okay, so... I mean, it's nice that I don't have to flip through a book and, like, bookmark all these pages for different monsters in one fight. But, like, if I want to do it on 
it. I have to open a bunch of different tabs. Right. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way to just throw them all on one page. Um, yeah. So it'd be really nice if they could allow you to do that. Like, maybe you could drag and drop um, stat blocks onto a page and be like, this is encounter whatever. Right. And you can open up that encounter page and it gives you all the monster stats right there. Um, you know, it might help. You only have to have two tabs open instead of, I don't know, five or something. That right. would be really nice I- for... for- I would like to add right now that there is actually kind of a fan-based movement right now where they are adding tools um, through kind of like these web apps or what have you. Uh-huh. And so fans are making things that will... They, they have not yet... I'm sure they will, but they have not yet made it so that you can just have everything in one tab. But they can have things be consistent throughout each tab if you're changing things, if you're using homebrew content. They have uh, like uh, dice rollers that you can add into like kind of the uh, usability of the site. Mm-hmm. I haven't really played with those, but I'm curious to see if what that does to the um, to, to my use of all of that. Yeah, yeah the functionality. Because yeah. my first experience, the very first thing I tried to do when I got access to to the whole thing and whatever was I'm like, oh, that's awesome, that's great. I want to start playing with it right now. I've got a game this weekend. Let me sit down and use it to do my do my DM prep for for this weekend's game. And there was like nothing here that helped me do my DM prep. So uh, <laughs> that's all stuff that I think would be awesome. Now, in the middle of my game, when I need to look something up real quick, this was way better than pulling out a book. Um, and and I've, I, I started off skeptical even at the beginning of this episode and I'm coming around to the value and how not expensive it really is when you break it down. Um, so, so you guys have, have, have sold me on that. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it, for DMs, like there's a lot that I wanted to be there and I expect to be there and then I logged in and tried to use it for that and it, it, it didn't do those things for me. Um, it does also have um, some interesting uh it's got a campaign management thing that isn't you know golden not encounter builders Mm -hmm. but it does do some of the things that we've seen from like um, obsidian portal and some of the others where you can write up the details of your campaign and here are the uh the dm notes that are private and here's the ones that we've shared with the the players and you can take a link and send it to people and uh, to uh, invite people. Um, does, does it have a forum within it and a calendar? Because those are the, the killer features for my campaign management site. Uh, not yet. Okay. So that, I, and, and, and I said, we did a review years ago of both Epic Words, which is what I use at Obsidian Portal. And, and sure. I sort of described it that way there too. I'm like, well, this is what Epic Words has that Obsidian Portal doesn't and Epic Words is cheaper and blah, 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 whatever. Well, I happen to also know the Obsidian Portal guys and they're great guys and, and they do really great work. Uh, and, and like within a week later, they sent an email out saying, hey, we're adding all these features. And I'm like, Weird. Those are the features I mentioned on the show, and they're like, "Yeah, no, we know. We listened, you know? And so we did it. We're like, those are, those are easy. We yeah. can do that." So, yeah, it's uh, so those are there. Uh, they've uh, apparently got some uh, features coming out where you can share a player version of maps. Okay. Uh, from the published adventures that's coming out, um, and uh, so. And, they're still working on it. I know that uh, they said that they are not going to be doing homebrew classes, but they did say that they would be doing homebrew uh, subclasses at some point, which is the part that I'm excited about because uh, I use, I've made subclasses. I'd like to be able to enter them into the system. 
Um, and you know, I've bought third party content that has those things. The same with the races, but I can at least manually put in the races right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have that option for uh, class content, and there is a lot of third party publishers putting out that stuff. So I'd like to be able to do that. To use it, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and then if I could uh, share one of the things that I'm super excited about, uh, especially since I run, uh, as, as you do, Jeff, a D&D club for a bunch of uh, middle schoolers. Yeah. They have, they have something that lets you make a first-level character almost with a press, push of a button. Mm-hmm. You choose the class and you choose the base, and it kind of throws everything else in there for you. And although I had to do a little bit of tweaking after the fact, it lets me do that and then export the character sheet and print it out. Mm. And it made it way easier to just make a bunch of characters for a bunch of people who uh, were brand new to the game. And, yeah, that uh, would have been that would have been super useful to me if my school district had, didn't block it in their filter. Oh, and mine does too. I had <laughs> yeah. to do all yeah. of that at home. Yeah, work you guys just need me. to talk to their IT people. Be like, look, I'm I'm trying to do something specific with the kids. Can you just don't block it for you know a day? Uh, I'm I, working on it on my end. I I, uh, I have a similar problem with my workplace. Mm-hmm. I I have to reference it on my phone because uh, I can't access it from the workplace. And I work for a supervillain. They are less forgiving <laughs> on that sort of thing. I hear you. All right, so we've talked your your hero stuff <laughs> during go. your lunch break. We've yeah. talked about this for an hour now, um, and we're still hoping to add an interview into this at the end. So uh, uh, while this is episode three hundred, and and w- I'm willing to make it a big extravaganza, um, I'm also thinking that it sounds like we've we've talked through most of the the services at this point. So any last thoughts on D and D Beyond? If I uh, could add. In um, just my experience running out of the abyss mm-hmm. from D and D Beyond, uh, it's been really awesome. I and mean, you, and you purchase the books, certainly... but do not pay for the subscription. Just to be clear, sort of in your experience, correct? Okay. Uh, and the difference would be if I paid for the subscription, then I would be able to share that out to my players, and it has not really been an issue. Right. Um, and, and like they the have ads, their books, but, yeah. and they can look it up. But what I can do, and the, the 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 exciting thing is that I can pull maps out of there and throw them onto Roll Twenty. It's 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 a little bit more tedious than I would like. I can't just like mm. click and drag into Roll Twenty, which I mean, obviously they're two different things, and I'm just kind of spoiled by the digital age. But sure. it's been, it's made it nice to be able to take that digital content. Whereas if I had a book and I wanted to like photocopy and enlarge and scan or Whatever that would look like, it would be much more difficult to do. But it's been very nice just having a book that I can look through and and cross reference, have hyperlinked. It's it's made the the campaign so much easier to run. Awesome. Other last thoughts? I think somebody else is trying to say something. Uh, yes. So I just wanted to give like quick general thoughts at the end there. Like one of the things that I realized when looking through this is that it could be very good for people who are, are visually impaired, which I think is one of the biggest reasons mm. why people have been asking for, um, you know, PDFs is, you know, making D&D more accessible to other people. Um, one thing that also wasn't mentioned is right now everything's only in English. So I'm hoping mm. that in the future they support other languages um, so that it can be more accessible to more people. Um and then that, like, as a DM, like, right now I'm using the, the free kind of review copy. Um, 
I think that I'm going to basically subscribe to D and D Beyond just because I think that right now I'm I'm currently lugging like eight books in a very heavy backpack to uh, to North Hollywood every week for my games, and I think it would be nice to switch that out with a laptop and just be able to uh, pull up basically everything I need on a laptop and, and use the website mm-hmm. um, at one of my players' houses. So I think that this is this could be something really great for DMs who don't want to take tons of books but still also like to have the books Mm -hmm. um so so i'm excited to see where this goes and i hope that it's something that sticks so so this episode has sold sold you on it yeah yeah it's basically (laughs) sold me in it and it you know being able to kind of review it and see everything um with my review copy has been very helpful for me to decide that that this is that I would actually pay money for um, to make my life as a DM easier. Yeah, it's really hard to make that choice um, when you haven't actually been in it and, and, and used it all and, and actually... Like, yeah, I, I recognize that I can type in a thing and it comes up in the compendium, uh, but I don't know how useful that is at the table because I'm not using it at the table because, you know, before I had access because I know that most of the stuff that I'm going to need isn't there. So... Yeah, yeah. Now it is, and I can see how just, just how useful it can be. Any other last thoughts? Um, I, you know, like I said, uh, I might not have bought this if it wasn't for the fact that part of my, you know, hobbies involved me giving commentary on gaming products. And this is one of the more significant ones that, that came out last year. Um, so, you know, I had to get into it. Once I started using it, I actually, I was like, all right, I see the value. Uh, I, am I... I, I'm still not happy with their pricing model, but I'm willing to put up with their pricing model because I am getting some utility out of it, and they are improving the product all the time. Right. Um, like little. You put into words how I feel. By the way, that's that's exactly how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I they they are. Uh, I mean, some of the little things that that they're improving, like the character sheets. Uh, they they recently uh, improved. Uh, character sheets they're still working on them they've talked about putting in like spell card type mm. uh, printouts for people who are spellcasters mm-hmm. and printouts for your beasts you know if you uh, uh, if you've got like pets uh, like a, a class that has a pet of some sort you, you know, or the, uh, the the stats for you if you're a druid and you uh, change over to a, a different beast uh, form um, and that's pretty impressive and you know the the fact that they are constantly doing little improvements here mm-hmm. and there. It's definitely sort of sold me on. All right, I don't I don't think I'm wasting my money here. Right. Agreed. All right. So it sounds like those are our, our sort of last thoughts. Yes. All right. So then I'm going to go ahead and say that that is our discussion of D&D Beyond. I want to toss it now to uh, our interview. So we're going to go interview with the, the voice of D&D Beyond. So let's go to that now. All right. Now, Ishmael and I are here with the D&D Beyond product director, Adam Bradford. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. So product director, let's start with that. What, what is the product director? Because as we talked about before we hit record, uh, your title has evolved over the, the time that D&D Beyond has been out. Yeah, I joined Curse. Uh, it's getting close to a couple of years ago at this point. And when I came in, I have a background in product management, project management, 
So I had this whole other life before I started having fun where I was uh, in defense and aerospace and, uh, you know, working for an electronic manufacturing company. Uh, you know, all of all of that was going great, but I wanted a little more adventure out of life. So uh, joined Curtis a couple of years ago. And at that point, I was a product manager. And uh, as uh, D&D Beyond started getting off the ground, we started, you know, kind of reworking what that desk title would be. I think it was product lead at some point. Um, and at this point, it's product director. And uh, really what it comes down to is for D&D Beyond, Curse is this incredible company where people who are passionate about a great many things, and of course for our company, most of that is video gaming. But if you're passionate, there is opportunity for you to capitalize on that passion. And so as we were, as a company, looking for ways that we could evolve and grow past video gaming because, you know, it's a very crowded market, um, mm -hmm. video gaming in general uh, is, uh, you know, a lot of the communities that are needed are already covered uh, when it comes to video gaming. And so uh, we were looking for other types of places where we could apply that experience to really bring these communities to life. And as a player of D&D &D for well over 20 years, I joined the company, I was working on something else, but then I, you know, kind of let my master plan sink in and I was, I was able to eventually convince um, a, a group of people within the company to start playing Dungeons and Dragons. That led to talking about, uh, which of course was, you know, per my plan, talking about hey, what, what if we could, you know, do something with Dungeons and Dragons in an official capacity. So then we, uh, you know, put together proof of concepts, uh, convinced the executive team that this was a good route to take. And uh, so it really was. It was an internal passion project uh, that we were able to get off the ground. And, uh, you know, we got with Wizards of the Coast pretty quickly. They, you know, loved what they saw, uh, jumped on it immediately. And then we signed an agreement. And then here we are. I think we announced a year ago, well, a little over a year ago mm -hmm. at this point, we, we announced on maybe March 12th of last year. So uh, we've been uh, kind of in this space for about that long. And, really have only been formally uh, launched since last August. Mm -hmm. So the product director, that means you're, you're the one who wrangles all the people who work on the yeah, product? I, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. Okay, <laughs> you're the boss. Yeah, I'm, I'm the boss. I, uh, so we work with, we have a development team that has, uh, I'm trying to think through right now, I think seven developers, and then we have uh, a couple of people that are working and doing some you know, great things with our content, Mr. Todd Kenrick. And mm. uh, we have recently welcomed James Hake in as our lead writer. So um, I oversee, I manage uh, their day-to-day -day what's going on. And mm -hmm. most importantly, I am the big picture guy. So mm -hmm. I'm the guy that is thinking about all the incredibly compelling, amazing things that we'll be able to pull off in, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road. And, um, and so that's, I, I kind of get to live in that future state of, uh, just amazingness and off awesomeness, you know, all the time. And then, uh, I have to, uh, kind of communicate that to the team and make sure that that vision becomes shared. Everybody knows what, where we prioritize the right things, where we respond to the community feedback in the right way. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of that. We've got an incredible team 
we're looking to expand that team. So we're hiring right now. Uh, that process is going well. And so, you know, really hope that we have a whole lot more on the team in the coming months where we can do even more. And it's worth noting that you talked about James Hake as your lead writer, but uh, James Intercasso, who started his his gaming uh, rise to stardom here as a host on The Tome Show, is also writing for you, as is Mike Shea, who currently still hosts a podcast with me on, on The Tome Show as well. So, yeah, you absolutely. Bringing in Those great people. Outstanding. They're, they're just outstanding uh, people. And really what is great about what we're able to do with D&D Beyond is we have this development team that is focused on trying to bring the convenience uh, and and supplement play at the table with Dungeons and Dragons. We have that team that's really focused there. And then I met Todd Kenrick, I guess it's been a little over a year ago as well. And of course he was doing Dungeon Life at that point in time, which was, you know, really gaining some traction and uh, it, it looked great. I loved what he was trying to do. And so, uh, you know, essentially just started talking with him and, hey, do you, do you want to come work mm-hmm. over here? We'll let you do the same things, uh, but we'll pay a little more of a consistent salary than having to rely on, uh, you know, Patreon and some of the other things that mm-hmm. creators are kind of relegated to these days. And so uh, really a, a great deal about what we're trying to do with all of this original content, whether it's the video content that Todd's doing, the writing that uh, James Hake is doing, uh, Mr. Intracasso, and uh, Sly Flourish, Mike Shea, uh, all these guys. We've got uh, some other great guests. Uh, Holly Conrad mm-hmm. is writing some things and producing some art for us. We've got Luke McKay, uh, who was working on uh, Rooster Teeth Comics. Uh, he's going to be doing some uh, original artwork that we're going to be featuring on the site. We have others. I, I can... I can hardly remember who has has signed contracts yet or who has. <laughs> so we'll stop there before I reveal too much. But we get sure. a lot of guests that are uh, coming in that we're really excited about. And the whole point of that was to try to really become the rolling stone of D&D. We wanted to be a place where we could showcase these emerging voices, the people that had things to say, that had things to share with the community. And in the process of that, because I really want to support people who are trying to make a go in this hobby. And because I love the game, I want to see the community thrive. I want to see people who are trying to create for the uh, community thrive as well. And so we knew that this was a way that we could essentially employ freelancers and, and people who were trying, you know, might need that supplemental income to make a go of it. This is another way that we could help out in that area. And then at the same time, provide that one place that, you know, people can come on a daily basis to see this great content and uh, that it's just a way for people to continue to immerse themselves, uh, you know, in this game. And, and that's that's really what we're wanting because mm. we Dungeons and Dragons maybe once a week, if we're lucky, as life, uh, as we get older, you know, maybe that starts stretching, stretching out to every couple of weeks, every month. But people still want to live and breathe this stuff. And, uh, and and that's a lot of what we're trying to do with that entire content initiative. Mm. Well, if you ever decide to get into podcasting too, I know somebody who's got a team of people that have been doing this for 10 years or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm coming to understand that. I, yeah. you know, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really fascinating to me. I have never really been much of a podcast listener because essentially, you know, I have, I have kids and mm-hmm. a lot of people 
try to listen to podcasts in their cars, you know, when they're driving. And I, I just can't do that. Like I, I get way too many distractions, too many people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking to me. And I have recently started diving into a podcast here or there. And I really have started to understand and value the the format. I, I, mm-hmm. I never valued it before, but, but I'm really starting to see it. And I actually have uh, you know, listen to a little bit of the tone show, uh, just, you know, trying to figure out who you guys were, if you sure. were going to try, you know, uh, throw me under the bus or not, but, um, <laughs> you're decent people. So, um, but, um, we've but, been yeah, doing so, this a long time. We wouldn't be still getting interviews if we weren't, if we weren't nice to people. True. <laughs> very true. But yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by, uh, just the, the whole podcasting world. And so, uh, I'm pretty excited to, to be on one at the moment. Well, good. We're glad to have you. So you talked a little bit about how the project of D&D Beyond got started uh, with, with these early days of you uh, manipulating things in, into happening. Uh, in the early days, what was the goal of D&D Beyond and how has that sort of evolved as you've actually gotten into it? Yeah, this is pretty exciting. I, I actually got, uh, when I walked into the room I'm in right now, I left my desk and on my computer, if you unlocked it right now, you would see a document that is essentially uh, a product narrative document that I'm writing that is talking about how things got started. It's talking about where we are. It's talking about uh, where we're going and then how we're going to get there. And that extends all the way out to five years. And it's incredible to see from where we started and, and the goals that we had on day zero versus the goals that we have at this point in time. So when we initially started everything, it was kind of a, a beg, borrow, steal situation. You know, we had to we had other products that as a company we were focused on and that were prioritized. And we had to make a convincing, compelling argument for why it made sense to move into the tabletop gaming space and to Dungeons and Dragons in particular. And so that was a great deal of effort to even kind of get that far and to get that buy-in. And so we got the buy-in. And at that point in time, we were trying to determine what kind of scope we realistically could tackle. And a big part of everything in the early days, and, and you can actually see this if you are using the tool set as it exists today, uh, the listings and the compendium portion of the content was really the extent of the scope that we initially laid out. And um, I think it really shows that, uh, you know, when you're looking up a spell in that listing and all those advanced uh, filters and just the way that it's working with a database of that information, all of that is much more fully fleshed out than some of the other features that we uh, actually ended up kind of they became goals over time, right? So as we started getting all the compendium content in place and all those different mechanical elements uh, parsed into a relational database, we said, well, hey, we could do character creation. What if we allowed people to play their characters, you know, with this digital character sheet? So that was kind of the next evolution. And then we thought if we're going to do that, we have to somehow provide some type of way to group these characters into campaigns. So Everything that exists right now, so much of that was uh, as goals started shifting and we could tell that we were onto something and we wanted to do more than what we had originally set out to do. And, uh, and so that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, one of the goals that has been just primary for us since last 
probably October is when some of the work, the conceptualizing started happening here. But we started saying, okay, we knew that if we released a character builder and we released a digital character sheet, that we could have spent nine months on that and we could have polished it and it could have been something that we thought was just a complete jewel that everyone would love. And then we would release that and then we would find out how wrong we were about that. And so our strategy uh, has been the entire time that, hey, let's get something out there. Let's not let perfection get in the way of excellence. And let's get something out there that we think can uh, you know, be a starting point for us. And that, so that's, that's what happened with the character builder and the character sheet in particular. And we knew that we would get that feedback. And we've gathered... I want to say that the last time I looked for this, there are 750,000 posts that would lead to uh, character builder or sheet feedback. I've read every single one of those. And so since about October, we've been working on this just really vast rework where we we have kind of gutted the entire character sheet. And we are presenting it in a much, much better way. It's to the point where I'm playtesting with it. And I can barely look at, <laughs> I can barely stomach, uh, you know, the character sheet as it exists today. And so that is an example of something that we're going to do for the character sheet. We're going to do that for the uh, character builder as well, just immediately after that. And then after that, we're going to feel like we're in a good place where we can start moving on to some of our other goals, which are encounter building, monster building. Mm. That you know, As we get two, three years down the road, we're starting to get into you know, some of this, uh, you know, really automated way of playing Dungeons and Dragons where you can target creatures all at one time and you can apply effects to them all at once and it, it's doing math for you and and you can uh, use as much or as little of that automation as you want. We're going to try to get to the point where we can include 3D models. So when you're creating your character, you're going to be able to see this digital avatar of this character that you can actually equip things for. Um, so, uh, so we're definitely seeing these goals evolve more and more and more over time. And, uh, and it's really exciting to be a part of it. We have been so successful to this point that it's a situation where it's not a question. We're not on the bubble or anything. We're not wondering if we're going to be able to make the next thing or not. It it has been successful. We've started very strong. And so we have a lot of, uh, you know, capital that we can bring forward to grow the team and to do more and more. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the things you're, you're looking at adding in are not all of them, but some of them are very similar to things that, um, were announced in fourth edition, some of which came to fruition and some of which didn't, like the character visualizer, which is similar to what you just described. Uh, did that influence the the direction? Did you look at what they what they promised and and figured, hey, we could we could actually do this? Yeah, that's it, it's a really good way to uh, kind of summarize that actually. So I think that just being a player for so long and wanting these things myself, I, I remember, even in third edition, I remember sitting at my, uh, you know, way less exciting spring job, um, at, you know, at the at the defense and aerospace place, um, and and basically sitting there and dreaming up what this kind of tool set uh, fully realized would really look like, and it included things like what was promised for the fourth edition, you know, DDI. Mm -hmm. And of course, because that edition was not uh, as successful as, as we probably all wanted it to be, 
and, and, and all of that. Um, all of that had to be scuttled. It was so much to bite off. So, so yes, the an- answer is these are things that I think that I've been dreaming of for 15 years. Mm-hmm. DDI caught on to that. They, they had their finger on the pulse of, you know, what some of the things the community was looking for were. And um, they, they just weren't able to pull it off for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. We are a company that has really uh, a, a lot of experience in doing this kind of thing. And unfortunately, you know, I kind of wish we could have come in right at uh, the the advent of fifth edition and, and been, you know, really ahead of the curve with all that. We weren't able to do that, but we're really playing catch up quickly. And uh, again, I am just terribly excited to be able to think through what is going to be in players' hands in another year's time, in another two years' time. I think it's going to be something truly special. Fifth edition, I'm not you know going to reveal any kind of insider info or anything, but fifth edition, there's no question that it has been the most successful edition of Dungeons & Dragons of all time. Um, I, you know, we'll, we'll just say on a personal level, I think it's going to be around for a while. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And um, and so what's great is, again, a year, two years down the road, players are going to be able to experience D&D in a way that they just never were able to do before. And, and it's going to be uh, even kind of a cross-media. I know that's kind of a loaded term, but it, it, it has this capability to be like a cross-media type experience with the just the explosion of D&D streaming uh, and, and everything else that's going on. We have some incredible plans that are just secrets, and, and they're on the tip of my tongue because I've been writing. <laughs> okay, but, um, well, but you yeah. can tell us. We won't tell anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, just really exciting things. And, again, we are working on staffing up in order to be able to pull that stuff off. Uh, but but we're, ta- we're talking, uh, again, a way to experience Dungeons & Dragons that you just haven't been able to do it in the past. And it, it's going to help new players this incredible amount because I remember the the way that I learned is I went down to a game store and I saw some people playing up in the attic uh, in that place and I was just so lost and so confused but that's the only way I could learn is is by watching those people play and with streaming being this way for anybody to just simply open their computer turn on their television and see people playing Dungeons and Dragons it has introduced so many new people uh, to the game and it's important for those new players to uh, kind of be able to ease into the game uh, in, a, in a really convenient way where it's not taking away from fun when they realize that they have to, uh, you know, go through character creation uh, that might take two or three hours like it, it mm-hmm. has before when I've done it with paper. Um, so, so that's what we're trying to fill that gap. And again, we, uh, I, I wish we were a little further down the road. I wish we could have started sooner. But we're really scrambling to catch up, and uh, and I think that the uh, ball, you know, the snowball is going to start rolling downhill uh, w- within the next several months. Very good, Ishmael. I'm dominating the conversation. If you got a question, please jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, w- one of the questions I had is, uh, and this might sound a little bit generic, but um, going from starting this project to basically engaging, what is perhaps uh, the D&D community at large, or at least a decent chunk of it, what have you learned? Um, what have you come away with from having um, basically built up a new kind of social focus for 
uh, kind of our our um, fifth edition gaming group, if you will. Yeah, that's that's actually a good question. Not not so generic at all. Uh, it, so part of that is being, you know, a a real part of that community ahead of time. I mean, I am that person that was on every D and D site that was doing anything. And of course, you know, the way that the industry news works, you're not necessarily going to have just, uh, you know, mind blowing news that's, that's happening every day. Uh, like you might in the video gaming space, but I, I still was on those websites on a daily basis. I was reading, you know, the guides. I, I remember, you know, all the discussions about how broken war blades were, I rem- you know, it, it, all <laughs> of that, stuff you know was just happening for me uh and it was just this natural extension again i completely geek out over DD, and i am I, I have a dream job at this point in time because there is just no other game that has mattered as much to me uh as dungeons and dragons and i'm also kind of a an all eggs in one basket guy i don't even have time i played a lot of world of warcraft but that's mainly because it reminded me of DD. And, uh, you know, it's it's like D&D has always been my first love. It's, it's you know, with the advent of 5th edition and just how good it is. Um, it, it There's just nothing I'd rather do. So I was part of that community before any of this process happened. And um, I knew what the points that were going to be sore in the community. You know, I, I knew that I, I tried to tell our team when we announced a year ago. I, I, you know, I tried to prepare them that it's like, look there is going to be an incredible amount of skepticism that is going to come our way as soon as this announcement comes out. There will be a few people that might be excited about this, but by and large, you are going to see uh, you know, a lot of uh, possibly cautious optimism, but more likely just pure skepticism that we will ever be able to make it work because I know there were so many false starts. I lived through those myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted... Uh, something like D and D Beyond, you know, uh, a, a long time ago, and and I, I saw, oh, maybe this is it, maybe yeah. this is it, uh, you know, oh, hey, this DDI thing is pretty cool, ah, uh, but you know, the the addition's not doing so great, and mm. oh, hey, this thing looks good, and you know, they kept falling through, and it was never a realized vision, and so. I knew that there would be that kind of outcry, especially when we announced, and what happened. Is as that uh, you know was going on, anything on Reddit <laughs> that, that that hit about D and D Beyond in those early days was you know eighty five ninety percent negative. Um, you know it, it it was kind of a war zone, but again very expected because I was part of the community and I can understand that mm-hmm. point of view and the perspective. Um, and then as we got into beta, as we started to demonstrate again, the only thing that we can do is make the pudding, right? We, we've got to put the proof in the pudding. Mm-hmm. And and so we're, you know, just little by little, you know, moving forward, we're, we're doing our best to be transparent. Uh, I, I answer virtually any question, uh, unless it's super secret. I, you know, I'm, I'm very clear about the, the troubles that we have. And uh, I'm, I'm very clear about, you know, some of the the directions that that we're going and and so we're trying to earn and gain people's trust and over time that has really come a long way and so I'm I'm seeing that especially after we started providing this content you know the video interviews and and even some of this written content I think that the community is is really warming up you know the community the part of the community that we engage with anyway at this point 
they're really warming up to the fact that, okay, maybe these guys can do it. I, I will freely admit we're not there yet. I, that's why I can't wait for a year or so down the road. But, um, you know, maybe these guys can do it. And then the other part of that is maybe these guys really do love this game. Mm-hmm. And they're trying the, you know, the absolute best that they can to provide something that the community has wanted for a long time. And so, yeah, I've seen a real shift to where I can, for the most part, go to Reddit right now and not, you know, cry on my way. <laughs> so so I, I think that, you know, it, it, it's been a real marked shift and it's been a really good thing for us to see. And, uh, you know, the, the engaged community that we do have, uh, has just been, uh, you know, just incredible, uh, really, really exciting. Uh, all the interaction that happens on our forums, on social media, all of that has been really exciting. And, uh, you know, I was in Seattle a few weeks ago doing super secret stuff, um, <laughs> but in, in Seattle a few weeks ago and basically uh, went to Mox's boarding house. It's just this incredible place up there. And um, it, it's basically like I, I like to compare it to like a Cracker Barrel for geeks. Um, <laughs> you, you walk into it, and uh, it's got this restaurant in the the center of it. But then, kind of around it, it's got you know game board games, uh, role playing games. It's got mm-hmm. Warhammer tables set up. You know, really really cool place. And I walked through there, and then I all of a sudden see this group of people playing at this just incredible gaming table there and i just happened to glance over and they're using tablets and they have the nd beyond you know pulled up on the tablets mm-hmm. and i was trying to try like a, as i noticed that I, I i tried to kind of be incognito for a second and then i heard somebody say something you know about bad eye uh which is um you know my screen name mm-hmm. and then uh i tried to kind of walk away i didn't want to interrupt their game and i forgot that you know I, my hoodie has bad eye plastered all over the back of it um <laughs> so that's the uh, confirmation they need so but it, it was great to, to even talk to those players there. And it, the first things that came out of their mouth were, you know, hey, we love D&D Beyond. We use it all the time. This is just so great. You know, like, thank you so much. And then it was immediately followed by, hey, why can't I do this yet? Hey, why can't I do mm-hmm. that yet? And, uh, and, and that's the thing about the D&D community is we are gamers and we love playing this game. And we are not going to be satisfied with what is available to us. We're always going to be looking for, you know, that thing that's that's going to make it even better. And I actually adore that about the community. And it's good that we're in this place because, it, you know, that's how we operate is we're not going to be satisfied. I keep saying I'm excited about what's happening a year down the road. When I get a year down the road, I'm going to be excited about what's happening that next year. Yeah, and that's that's uh, a good point. And that's... that's um helpful a little bit i guess in assuaging some of those those i think you mentioned the very justified fears like there is a history in D of either either wizards of the coast or back in the day tsr or licensees being like yeah we've got the great new digital thing and then it just turning into vaporware and and i understand that we talked about i think in, in our review of that hesitancy of like do i want to invest in the books for something that's licensed and you know history says could disappear in, in a few months you know Right. So, yeah. so if you're thinking a year in advance, then hopefully that helps solidify that that's going to be happening well, in a year. <laughs> let, let me let me go on the record and say that uh, you know in this vision document that I was referring to a little bit earlier, um, 
I am talking seven years out, uh, to be honest right now mm. and being completely honest, uh, just because I don't have time to write the 10 year plan, I could very easily write the 10 year plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, and, and I won't even get into year, you know, five plus right now because people will think that I'm just a crazy person, mm-hmm. uh, Based on what I would be saying, we would be able to do at that point. But, um, but ultimately, uh, yes, we we are in this for the long haul. One of the great things uh, that I've even seen, uh, Mike uh, Merles, he you know he's even kind of through social media, I've seen him talking about that if and when a sixth edition even came, that the idea would be that it would be completely backwards compatible with fifth. Mm. Um, again, if it's not broke, what, you know, why, why are you caring about fixing it? Fifth edition is doing what gamers want it to do, by and large. And, uh, and so I think that if, if we see a sixth edition, it's going to be uh, you know, very much iterative instead of destructive, like some of the previous editions have been. And so um, you, know, you can trust me when I say that from our business planning perspective, we have a finger on the pulse of what's going on, and we are prepared for it, and we are thinking way down the road. Right. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of like with uh, that's where the world's going today, right? I, I don't know if I have bought a Blu-ray or a DVD or anything like that in years, potentially four, four or five years, I would say at least, um, because I, I buy everything uh, on Amazon. I buy every, you know, I'm watching everything on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, those digital services, sure, they they can remove things. They they Netflix does sometimes when I'm getting ready to watch something, but. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the convenience that's being offered and the uh, respect and uh, about the longevity of those companies uh, really stands out to me. So mm-hmm. I can understand where some of the concerns have been in the community, but um, and and I can you know sit here and say till I'm blue in the face that we're we're in this for the long haul and we're going to be here forever. Um, right. I can't tell the future, but um, I well, and, and Curse has has other companies that they're beholden to, right? So, my understanding is that you can follow the chain of Curse up to Amazon. Is that right? Yeah, all the way up to Amazon. So right. we are um, actually we were acquired by Twitch a little over a year ago, and uh, Twitch is part of Amazon. So, right. uh, so yeah, it's uh, we we've got a lot of support, uh, and you know we're not just an independent developer out there right. uh, trying to hack away at some of this, right? And so uh, that that's the other part that's really exciting to us is that we're starting to understand and try to leverage some of those uh, corporate resources even, uh, you know, up through our parent companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, integration possibilities are are really intriguing. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're starting to get into a lot of that. And, um, and again, uh, we're, we're, time is going to actually tell what's what's going to happen there, but we have plans that extend for a very long time, and, and I would love for the community uh, to hear that message that we're not mm-hmm. just trying to come in and and make some money and then you know move on to something else. This is something that we are significantly investing in. Right. So, and you talked a little bit about future goals, and I want to ask some more about um, future. Uh, features and whatever, and some specific questions I got from some from some of our reviewers were like, "Wait a minute, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get that?" Right? I want to get into yeah. that. But as you add more of this, and as you talk about long term and and continuing to bring things in and all that kind of stuff, um, can we expect that to change the price point as well, or is the goal to keep things 
to keep expanding using the current price point and to to grow by bringing in more people? Yeah, that's a really great question, and I'm very happy uh, to answer that. So our, uh, you know, I, I again, I can't completely tell the future here, right. but um, we are we have established a model that we do not have any intentions, current intentions, to do anything about the pricing itself, um, because uh, you know, to be honest, where we are with subscription pricing, for instance, we know that the hero tier of the subscription is not compelling enough. Uh, I mean, we, we have the data that, that shows us that the hero tier subscription is not compelling enough. We wanted to offer that. We realized that what's part of the master tier subscription, and uh, especially in particular the uh, content sharing that's involved there, yeah. we know that's very compelling, you know, and that's yeah. an incredibly good in, in testing out the subscription for for the review, that was uh, that was a, a, a game changer for me. Having that and, and getting my whole party on on board, so we could, you know, we don't all have to buy the book. You can all sort of share it there and get what you need and whatever. A- absolutely, yeah. So we know that that's very compelling, and and so we're very happy with what's being offered in the master tier. But for the hero tier, we wanted to do something a little more aimed at players that would be a lower price point that you know might not be quite as bad for them and and the flat out truth is we know that it's just not compelling enough and so the great thing about it is as we move forward into making an encounter builder that's the kind of next big new thing that we're going to get into and then we're going to move right into monster building which is my personal favorite I can't wait until that happens um, but um, as we get into all of those uh, additions to the tool set, on into initiative tracking, on into uh, you know uh, being able to automate a lot that's going on in combat. All of those things, the idea and the model, the approach that we're taking is that you're going to be able to use those for free uh, up to some kind of threshold, just like you can create six characters completely free. You don't have to subscribe to get unlimited characters, but if you want them, you can do that. Um, but uh, you can create up to six characters if you buy uh, and unlock any of the digital content that you need for those characters. Uh, they're not mutually excu- exclusive. You can buy content without subscribing and, and you know, vice versa. So um, we wanted to provide some flexibility with that. But you know, when the encounter builder comes, you might be able to create X number of encounters that probably is going to be fine for most people in, in most mm-hmm. campaigns. Uh, without having to buy in, but if you subscribe, you can do unlimited encounters. Uh, uh, same thing with you know building monsters and all that. So the idea is the price points of those subscriptions would stay the same, but then you would just get that added value because it's very much an Amazon Prime approach. I mean, they're they're not they have not significantly altered the price of that. I know there have been a couple because uh, you know being honest, Prime started what twelve years ago or something, so probably a little. But um, but they've they've barely adjusted the price, but then they just keep adding things um, to what you actually get to to enjoy as part of that prime uh, experience. So so that's definitely the approach we're taking. We have no intentions of uh, altering the pricing scheme. We have intentions of making the subscriptions more valuable at the okay. at the cost. Really are. So you know that the hero, the hero tier isn't compelling right now. So the the solution isn't to to change the price point of it or whatever. It's to just add more features to it to make it more compelling. That that's the current track. And again, okay. <laughs> um, if we were if we were trying to, I mean, we we obviously could try um, to work on the other part of the scale. You know, or reduce the the hero tier subscription. Um, you know, to a lower price point, but. 
um, we, we just don't think that that's actually going to be compelling enough because mm-hmm. if we lower it too much more, we're not even covering you know transaction fees that we have to cover on our side. Mm-hmm. So um, so essentially, um, that doesn't feel like the right path to us. Instead, we would prefer to allow someone to subscribe, you know, at two ninety nine, and as part of that hey, you can do all these things. You can unlock everything with stream integration. You can unlock all of these things where for less than a cup of coffee, you can can do that every single month. So that's kind of the idea there. And again, we will continue from a pricing perspective on the digital content. Um, You know, yes, the legendary bundle will continue to go up. We're uh, hope, hopeful to introduce some other types of bundles that that maybe package mm. some of that digital content a little differently, but um, but we're looking into that. But but yeah, so that that will go up just naturally as the Wizards of the Coast products scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are no plans to really change the the pricing approach at this point. Okay, so let's talk about those future future features. Um, and again, Ishmael, jump in whenever. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I do the, I'll I, I do the same thing to Tracy. She joined. Tra- Tracy's my normal <laughs> co-host, and and she jumps in on these interviews, and then I dominate everything and don't let her get a word in. So, no worries. I'm I'm just glad that I'm I'm hearing all of this stuff because okay. it's uh, <laughs> well good. Uh, so let's talk about future future features. Uh, you kind of talked about following the model of DDI and and trying to do the, some of those things that never quite happened and what have you. Uh, one of those DDI things that never quite was fully realized was the virtual tabletop. So is there any t- talk of, of going into that space or partnering with some of the, the existing ones or anything like that? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I'm going to have to be careful the way I answer this <laughs> just, just from the standpoint, because this is getting into the buckets that, you know, are a little further down the road, mm-hmm. but, um, but we don't have, uh, you know, our short term roadmap. We're not looking at, recreating the wheel and making a virtual tabletop we definitely would love to uh integrate and and partner with fantasy grounds and roll 20 to do that and uh it really comes down to trying to figure out between the two uh or, or three partners in this case exactly how that can work and so we've had some very good discussions uh with fantasy grounds in particular and uh and so i I am pretty convinced that we will start to see the, you know, at least the base minimum of integration uh, definitely this year where you mm. can create a character in D&D Beyond and you can somehow import that into one of the virtual tabletops. Um, I do think that, you know, where we're headed and what we're doing with uh, some of the avatar management, uh, I, I can't remember what you called it from DDI. The I remember- character visualizer. Yeah, character visualizer. Yeah, visualizer. So um, that uh, kind of thing is something that we are are very keen on doing, and and we're looking into how we can pull that off best uh, because I think there's just something uh, so great about being able to visualize what is you know relegated to your imagination typically. But um, so we're looking into that, and as we do things like that, of course, if we exported, uh, the idea would be to make sure that you have tokens. Uh, and and all of that would be you know automatically generated uh, from from anything that would be happening with your character. So the answer, the short answer is yes, we do plan to integrate. Uh, the longer answer is you know more and more complicated because it's sure. 
um, you know, it's getting into some of the the kind of dream state things that that uh, again, I would sound like a crazy person if I started talking about mm-hmm. that. You, you would think that I belonged in you know Ready Player One or something uh, right. if we started going down that path. Right on. Uh, so the next set of future features I want to talk about is I know there's current work going on to, with uh, the character sheets and trying to make that more more friendly and, and more what the community is looking for. Uh, does that include things like spell cards, uh, you know, integration of beast stats for rangers and druids, you know, that kind of stuff? So, uh, yeah, it, it would be almost impossible at this point for me to go through the full, the full list. list. <laughs> When, when that change log hits, when when everything is live with the character sheet, uh, we've been calling it revamp. Uh, so when the revamp goes live, that change log is going to be significant to the point of I'm not exactly sure if we're going to be a, if it's even going to be fruitful for us to capture each little bullet point that's changing. Um, it's going to be more talking about the philosophy behind it and everything else uh, and people experience it but uh so uh a couple of the specific things there the plan is yes uh you know beast uh companion management is something that we are looking to add um it is at the very uh bottom of the list so in other words if we are completely completely ready with everything about the character sheet revamp and that is not quite in yet i'm gonna have to make a decision about whether we should go on and, and let people have the goodness uh, or, or to wait, uh, you know, whatever that amount of time would be to that other part. So having said that, whether it goes live initially with or without that, um, everybody can know, you know, and be very assured that it is being worked on even as it's going live. And so uh, it would be a very, very quick follow-up. Uh, so, so we have companions are on the list. They're in the scope. And then finally, uh, the spell cards. We're not doing a lot, you know. At least with this pass, we're not doing anything that is allowing uh, any kind of printing, uh, you know, that is happening outside of heavily revising the PDF output. Because we, we, I've been unhappy with that the entire time. We uh, essentially had to use a form fillable thing because we were trying to use the official format. Mm. Uh, created a lot of challenges for us to try to make sure that we were including helpful information with, uh, you know, overflowing the sheet. And so we've, we've kind of fixed what's happening there. Going to be a much better experience for the PDF uh, going forward. So uh, really looking forward to that. That's part of the revamp. Uh, but the spell cards themselves, what's going to be amazing about the spell section of the sheet is we're going to have the capability. One of the things that even my veteran players run into all the time is it's hard for them to visualize a fireball at eighth level and just how much damage that thing is doing and and how deadly it is and how hey maybe it is worth that eighth level slot you know if you if you're really uh, you know have your back against the wall so one of the things we do is we have we're going to have a preference where people are able to see the scaled spells by level so essentially. As you're looking through your 8th level spells, you would see any spell that benefits from scaling would be included in that list. And it would be you know, very strongly called out that it is a scaled spell. But it would show you all the math, all the you know, calculations um, that are happening as a result of that scaling. And, and you see that all at one time and you can cast it right from that interface and it's going to use the appropriate spell slot. Um, so th- there's some really amazing things that are happening there. And I think that people 
are going to really, uh, you know, buy into that, whether they have something to print off or not. But the idea is is still the same as as those spell cards, making it easy to reference during play. Mm-hmm. I did um, I did want to ask, and not to change the subject too no. much, but uh, one one question I did have was uh, how you feel about the current state of the all of the homebrew um, content. That's a really good question too. So uh, for homebrew, uh, essentially where I am with homebrew is I am incredibly happy that we are able to offer a system like that because um, that was one of the shortcomings of DDI was it wasn't able to actually interface with custom content. And we all know that Dungeons and Dragons, it's not played uh, quote unquote by the book. Uh, you know, people customize continually in this game it is is kind of a a cornerstone of the game and so i'm really happy from from day one we said hey we have to allow the integration of custom content from players and dungeon masters because this is this is a tenant of ours it has to be there and so i'm really happy that we are able to offer that and that you can use that stuff in the builder and you're going to be able to use that stuff in all the future tools that we incorporate that's really important to us i am not happy with the state of how creating those items goes and and really it comes down to where we were again this was one of those areas where we had to make a decision over providing that to the community, which I, I just said was you know incredibly important to us and we knew we had to do it, versus trying to polish it for nine months and make sure we got it completely perfect and then realizing it wasn't what the community needed. So we really did get homebrew creation and that entire system out in a, a, a prototype form for the most part. And we wanted feedback, and so we've received feedback, and uh, and I've actually been fairly surprised from the community. We don't receive many um, negative uh, points of feedback about that, as I actually would expect, and I, I suspect that that has possibly something to do with, um, you know, while some of the tools that that we've focused on and and done a little bit with. Uh, there are other, uh, you know, community-created uh, tools and, and those kind of things out there. There's not quite as much that's doing the same thing anyway as our homebrew system is doing. It's not, you know, feeding into a character builder and sheet and all that. So I think that it might just be that there's no standard of comparison and, and people might not even know what they want there. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you from a product perspective and you know, being someone that's done this for a very long time, it is nowhere close to where I want that to be. And so that is going to be somewhere where we provide a lot of focus, uh, you know, and over the next, uh, you know, six to 12 months is, is trying to figure out how we can make that a, a less painful process. Because right now, we have essentially just provided, we, we've tried to kind of give it a little bit of facelift, but we have provided the exact same tools that we use to enter this data into the database in the first place. We've just more or less exposed that to the community and and tried to pretty up the forms a little bit. Um, so we know that that is not its its final form, uh, you know, in in any way. And uh, and so yes, we're, we're going to definitely uh, do another pass on that uh, in the coming months and and really make that a better experience and a, a quicker and easier to use experience. And related to that. Uh, the homebrew system is really 
the only way for me to integrate third-party content that I might have. Is there any any efforts towards uh, integrating some of those other publishers that aren't Watsy? And so that, I mean, I tell you, the Tome of Beast from Cobalt Press has become integral to my workflow and prepping for games, and and it's hard for me to imagine an, an encounter builder that doesn't include all those options. Yeah, it, it's a really good question, and I wish that I could answer that a little more concretely right now. Uh, I, I can tell you that there are plenty of discussions surrounding all sure. of the things that you just uh, mentioned. Uh, you know, un- unfortunately, if this was Adam, the player, the the dungeon master, I would tell you, yes, uh, we we would absolutely do that. Why on earth would we not do that? But unfortunately, business realities and mm-hmm. uh, terms and uh, you know all, all the other things that, that have to kind of uh, mess up our paradise uh, every now and then. Um, th- those things are a reality, and, uh, and unfortunately we haven't been able to get down the road as much as I would like to on all those fronts. But um, I can tell you that there are plans to incorporate uh, more third-party content. We have uh, a little bit of that that has already started to come into the uh, tool set with some of the critical role content. Mm-hmm. So um, I... I definitely imagine that over the course of this year, we will start to see, uh, you know, at least some portions of those uh, third-party content make its way uh, into the tool set to be available. Okay, uh, and I, I just mentioned the encounter builder that you that you had alluded to earlier. Uh, what else can we expect in terms of campaign tools? That's a pretty sparse section right now, where it's just sort of uh, some text descriptions and whatever. Chance of like adding maps, uh, a calendar for scheduling uh, sessions, you know, all that kind of stuff that I'm used to seeing from campaign manager sites. Yeah, it is, and again, this is um, you know so much about focus for us, right? right. So um, with the listings compendium, as I started out with, uh, they're they're in a pretty mature state at this point in time. Uh, character management, especially after we get done with uh, this character sheet revamp, builder revamp uh, that will follow that, uh, is going to be in a really solid place as well. Uh, and then we would move into homebrew and or campaign management and starting to add more and more to that. So what you're mentioning there, we have a forum thread that um, you know possibly hundreds of thousands of, of posts there as well, uh, kind of spread out across the threads anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, you know, received a lot of feedback about what's needed. Campaigns started out for us as a way purely and totally to collect groups of characters and to allow for something like content sharing to right. exist. That was their, their proto form. And, um, and so we are going to build from there. Uh, I would definitely imagine you would see something like a uh, calendar for scheduling. We would love to be able to allow people to create their own uh, pages, essentially, that could take on the form and the format of mm-hmm. uh, what we have in our Compendium content, uh, all of those things are uh, things that we would want to provide in the future, and I'm very confident that we're going to be able to provide in the future. In addition to some of the more, uh, because you know that that's been part of the interesting journey with the community here is talking about campaign management. I think that our uh, one of the mistakes we've made is calling it campaign management in the first place. Like we hmm. we probably uh, you know I've I've kind of gotten into uh, you know, some discussions with, with people in the community about that before that, uh, you know, if someone is going to make a, uh, let's just say an item building system in a video game, they wouldn't just call it, uh, you know, 
tool gathering maybe if that's all they started out with. They would still call it an item building system. Right. It's just that that small part of the system was built out. And so I think in hindsight we could have, you know, called it uh, you know, just simply uh character organization or just simply called it campaigns mm-hmm. uh that or you know sharing campaigns or, or whatever because that is what we set out uh, the target we set out for in the first place but uh, as we started talking about campaign management some of the plans that we uh, have there we came to see that the community had very differing ideas of what campaign management is so we have very large portion of the player base is saying that what they want out of campaign management is encounter building, is monster building, is uh, initiative tracking, combat tracking. So that is one track we are taking for sure. Mm. And then you have this other portion of the community that is saying things like, I want calendars, I want help uh, finding groups, I want um, you know a variety of these other things. I want to be able to create my own pages. I mm-hmm. want to be able to, uh, you know, uh, manage my sources. That's another big one uh, is, you know, hey, I want to, I, I don't ever want to see unearthed Arcana content. Can I turn that off on my uh, account? I don't want my character that I'm p- trying to play for AL. I don't want to, uh, you know, go over my uh, player's handbook plus one rule. So mm-hmm. manage sources. So people even group that into campaign management. Mm-hmm. And um, and that one, for instance, is coming actually really soon. It's coming after uh, we finish up with homebrew subclasses. But, um, but yeah. So campaign management is a nebulous term. Right. I mean, you're that, t- we're kind of talking DM tools and kind of talking like group management of your of your group. So. Right. Right. And so, and, and that's the thing. Um, I can simply say that the list literally has thousands of things on it. And it, and for us, it, it's about prioritization. Right. And, and some of the priorities are encounter building. Monster building is happening after all this character management stuff ties up because we know that the character portion of this is the foundation. So we want to have really, really strong foundation. We want to, you know, uh, do the best uh, that, that we can possibly have there. And then we're going to move on into encounter and monster building. We'll move into source management, whitelisting, blacklisting. That those are some of the things that are happening. Um, and then we'll start to get into, you know, the really exciting stuff again, when initiative tracking, combat tracking, all of that starts to come together. That's the utopia we're looking for. Right on. Well, uh, I have several other questions, but we're, we're, approaching the the hour-long mark and we already have like an hour-long review <laughs> so it's going to be a mega two-hour-long episode which is fine because it's our our three episode 300 anniversary here so oh nice uh, we can go a little mega but you know all, just for D beyond episode 300 nice um, I, I love it i'm a little long-winded so i'm no, sure that's that fine that's my... fine i mean i it's not like i'm talking to ed greenwood where i i would write three questions and that would last the entire hour <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> hey i could have done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely so no, you're we're doing fine. Um, I did have a couple of other things though. So so first of all, uh, I know that the mobile app has has launched and is new, and right now it's basically an e-reader, which is kind of something the community has been asking for for a long time, and that it's still you know kind of beta-ish, and 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 you're working out the kinks. What are the future plans for mobile? And then I'll go into my final question. Yeah, that uh, I, I'm appreciate you bringing up mobile. So with mobile. Uh, again, one of the things that we want to do is we want to fill gaps. That, that That's so much uh, about what we're trying to do with D&D Beyond. We're trying to do things that uh, have not been available in the community. So, yes, we saw a great deal of demand for some type of e-reader. And so I think that, uh, you know, we are in beta, but I, I'm very 
satisfied with, uh, I, I think we're in a really solid place with where that e-reader component of that goes. I think that, you know, actually browsing through the books and being able to swipe uh, and, and see those pages kind of in that book format, you know, turn on night mode if you need to do it. I think all that is really hitting the mark or where we want to be with that at this point in time. And we have seen a really great response to that. So that's good. It, it helps us to understand that we can invest in it more. Uh, outside of that, we have an additional phase that's coming up right now that will you know, hit beta uh, when it's ready. You almost got uh, me to say a target date there. Almost got me. Um, <laughs> um, when, when it's ready. And uh, that will be introducing the compendium listings, uh, the spells, magic items, monsters, classes, all of those pages, those aggregate pages that we have. It will be introducing that, which will make the mobile app, you know, really, really handy. You'll be in the compendium, uh, the, the e-reader portion of that, and be able to click on Fireball, and it will slide over a sidebar that's going to show you the details from the listing. So all of that's going to be really uh, great for uh, people to use that. And then after that, we will definitely start introducing the character management tools. Mm. Didn't want to jump into that here at the start because, as I said, we're under the hood on that pretty major right now. And we didn't want to put something into the mobile app that we would then have to just completely rework a month down the road. So mm -hmm. uh, so we're, we're holding off on that. We want to make sure that the character sheet revamp and the builder revamp really hit home with the community. And then we would uh, work on uh, making sure that that's in the mobile app. So the longer term vision for the mobile app is we are going after feature parity with what is going on with the website as long as it makes sense. So for instance, we currently don't have any plans to incorporate our forums on the mm -hmm. mobile app because that's not an incredibly ideal user experience on the phone anyway. And so that would be a place where we would cut some scope and, and maybe not focus on that. But then we will also be looking, so we want parity where it makes sense, and then we want to really capitalize on platform-only type functionality. So yes, our mobile app is going to get uh, dice rolling. The site will too over time, but but it, it's going to be you know more visceral on the mobile app. You can shake it, you can roll it. You know hmm. those kinds of things will be coming because they make a lot of sense for the platform. We are planning to invest heavily into the mobile app, and so you'll start seeing more and more over the course of this next year. Very good, uh, Ishmael. Before I ask my last question, did you have anything else? Um, I, I think I had a couple of questions that have been answered in the course of all of this. All right, good. So my, my last question is, uh, what is the D&D &D Beyond feature that's out right now that you don't think gets enough love? And tell us why we should love it. Wow. what This is a real zinger for a last question there. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me think through that for a second. I think that the thing that doesn't get enough attention is probably content sharing. Uh, so that, that would be the feature that I don't think we have done a great job really messaging how that works and, and what is involved in content sharing and you know flat out the value that you get out of that content sharing. And so uh, we're going to be working really, really hard to change that in the coming months. We're uh, going to uh, you know really try to get the word out about how that works. And D&D &D is a game about bringing people together and we all know the story. Uh, you know, I was a dungeon master. I was one of those dungeon masters that was kind of dirt poor when I started playing. And so 
I just, uh, you know, kind of like I can talk, you know, people at a company into making a D&D official tool set. Uh, I kind of talked other people into buying the books uh, and then I would just use them. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, but still, it was a thing where, hey, you know, the group is going to buy a player's handbook. And that's kind of the only book that's that's going to be there at the table. And we're going to pass it around and we're all going to love it because mm-hmm. we're going to play d um, And so I think that in the digital space, the content sharing portion of what you're able to do on D&D Beyond is a really, really important thing. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when you share content, if you've unlocked, uh, let's say, Volo's Guide to Monsters, and you share that content across a campaign, it is not going to simply pull from your library. It's going to pull from any player in that group's library. So, you know, if someone owns Volo's, if someone owns uh, another person the player's handbook, and then a third person owns Skag, you're going to get all three of those books as part of content sharing with a single person turning that on at the campaign level. And then in addition to that, you're not just getting that in your character builder character sheet and and any of the future tools, you're getting that uh, compendium content as well. So you can go in and read the book in that case. And so... Content sharing is something that I'm really, really happy we were able to pull off and uh, and you know be able to uh, you know include that as part of what we offer. And I think that there's a lot of confusion about exactly how it works, and, mm. and we're going to be trying to do up about getting that message out. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I discovered actually in the course of of doing this this uh, dive into the product, um, I discovered just how awesome that is because uh, you know it, it goes from well, is the cost worth it and, and, and do I need to do a rebuy all my books and whatever? But it becomes like, oh, well, we could all just chip in $2 and buy every single book that comes out, you know, and, and then content share it and we all get it, you know. So yep, absolutely. It works out really well. And it's just like at the table. Like at, at my table, there's only one of us that owns Sword Coast Adventures Guide and then it just gets passed around to whoever needs it or Xanathar's Guide or whatever, right? It, it works the same way, so. Yeah, that's definitely the idea. And again, I think that um, it, it that was the focus of what we ended up calling campaign management was making sure that we got that really key feature uh, in right from the outset. So uh, I, I really want people to understand how that works. And uh, it, it's really a great opportunity uh, for, for people to be able to come together. I understand that, that many people in the community, I am one of those people, uh, bought physical books well before D&D Beyond was even a thing. So I am very sympathetic to the, uh, you know, to some of the costs associated. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to somehow keep the servers running and the lights on, and we do have to uh, make sure that we're able to realize this vision that, uh, you know, is just burned into my mind about, you know, just something incredible and a place for uh, D&D to become something that it's never been, you know, o- over the course of the next few years. And uh, in order to do that, there are some business realities with that. But but I do think content sharing helps out a whole lot. And so hopefully people can start to understand what that does. All right, great. Well, I think we're going to let you go there, uh, but I, I want to thank you for joining us. And if people want to like catch up with you and, and find out what's going on, or going on or ask you questions, where on the internet should they go to find you? Yeah, I definitely frequent Twitter the most because it's hard for me to read very, very long things. So if you want, sure. I, I answer a lot of questions on uh, on Twitter. So feel free to reach out at Bad Eye Adam. Uh, and uh, ask me any questions that you have. And uh, like I said, I think I've got 100% on uh, answering those. So, uh, so yeah, reach out, and I will be happy to answer 
them uh, if I am possibly able to do that. Very good. Well, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. And now we're going to call that the end of the episode. We'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, Noel Lates, as well as our guests. Uh, Jeremiah, Maya, where can people find you online? Uh, I have a website, jeremiahmccoy.com. I put all, post all my YouTube videos there, all the content. Uh, I even put links to my appearances on uh, the Tome Show. So. Awesome. Allison? Uh, the number one place you're going to find me is Twitter, talking about uh, a lot of D&D and a lot of Overwatch. My Twitter handle is uh, charm underscore underscore person. Cool. And Ishmael? Uh, yes, um, you can find me on Twitter at ElvinWizardKing, just how it sounds. Uh, and then uh, just look for me under the name of Ishmael Alvarez uh, and Fat Goblin Games. I actually recently put out a pretty big 52-page book called Simple Settings, Savage Lands, which is a 5th edition book uh, that contains rules and kind of setting information for playing in a prehistoric setting. I'm really excited about that. Uh, so that is actually uh, on RPG.now, or RPGnow.com, sorry, uh, and uh, on the top 10 seller list, which I'm really happy about. Oh, congrats. Hey, congrats. Thank you. We'd also like to say thank you to our patrons from patreon.com slash the Tome Show, such as Keith Bryan, Jill Sanders, Christopher Gray, Leonard Pelche, Jeremiah McCoy. Again. Hi, Matt, Jeremiah. Matt, <laughs> Hi. Matt Bible, Doug Palmer, Mark Richmond, and Dan Simmons, as well as everyone who shops at the Amazon and DM Skill our affiliate links at www.thetomeshow.com, where you can also find great Tome Show shows. All right, and if you want to get a hold of us, and by us I mean me, but then I can pass the word on to anybody who anybody else who needs to hear it, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can uh, find the, the Tome Show on Twitter. They are at the Tome Show, and by they, again, I mean me. Um, I am at Squash. Tracy is at Sarah Dark Magic. Uh, everybody else already gave their Twitter handle except McCoy. He is at Tech Noir. Is that right? That's correct. All right, cool. Uh, and you can call us as well if you'd like to do the voice thing. We are 919-BizTome. I mean, nobody does it, but it's there and, and if, in case anybody ever wants to. <laughs> and that's episode 300, where we went to D&D and beyond in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't think we fancy? Let me teach you about class. Priest, fighter, rogue, cast a kick your ass. You don't think we street? Look at this table full of ice. You don't think we hard? Just touch my dice. You don't think we can get it? At the birds and the bees. I'm a pallet in the suits, but a thief in the shoes. My character shoots 'cause they full of the brim with maxed out. Just like baseball, 
There's no crying. You want to join in? Now you start realizing we're the cool, cool nerds. Call me Neil deGrasse Tyson. D to the R to the A, good S. D and D. The dungeon master sets up a scenario. Then he or she asks, where would you like to go? We talk as a group, then decide together. There's no winning, yo. We could play forever. Stay right there. Let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. Stay right there. Let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. Unless you want to. You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and You don't dress up to play D and unless you want to. Like me. I'm on the wall.